Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Kobe Hanek. Kobe joined WeBit Nano as CEO in 2017. He has 15 years of experience in engineering and engineering management roles and 28 years of experience in sales management and executive roles. Welcome to the podcast, Kobe. Hi, Dan. Good morning. Kobe, uh, first, can you tell us what originally brought you to Semiconductors? I mean, was it your childhood dream? Uh, actually, uh, it was kind of funny because I was thinking of learning uh, nuclear physics, uh, but a friend of my dad's, uh, who was uh, head of the unemployment agency, kind of hinted that he loved meeting me, but he wouldn't like to see me at work too much. So uh, I was trying to think what I'm going to do, and a friend of mine uh, pulled me over to the computer side, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Interesting. Uh, and what brought you to WeBit Nano? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, yeah, well, um, I was uh, working as a as a consultant and, and helping different companies. Uh, actually, at the time, I was uh, contracted by uh, Jasper, and uh, I was the VP uh, Worldwide Sales at Jasper when my next-door neighbor called me up and said, we're starting this new company, this memory company, and we need a CEO. And can you help us? And I said, well, I'm busy. So uh, you know, I tried to help them. Uh, they ended up hiring someone and, and starting to run. But then um, a couple of years later, he called me up. He said, uh, listen, uh, I'm going to be moving to another fund. Uh, I need to uh, relieve my position at uh, WeBit on the board. So I recommended that they take you to the board. And I went to talk to them. And uh, the previous CEO actually came and said uh, for personal reasons he had to um, uh, to leave the position. He said, Kobe looks like a good uh, person to replace me, and uh, here I am. Interesting. Um, so let's get into it, um, but first let's start with a little background. Why do we need non-volatile memory at this time, and why is it re-ramped? Well, Non-volatile memory, that's very easy because uh, basically almost any digital device needs non-volatile memory uh, for some things, even if you just think of the fact that when you turn it on, it needs to have some code that, uh, you know, some firmware or something that will start running. Uh, So just for that, you need a non-volatile memory. Uh, Most applications have all kinds of uh, parameters or um, uh, you know, data that they need that needs to be there from, from uh, time zero that it needs to use to, to manipulate and, and do whatever the application needs to do. So non-volatile memory is really a, a very critical part of, uh, of the computing industry. Actually, you know, memory in general is, is the largest niche in semiconductors and non-volatile memories. Uh, uh, the analysts are saying that in, in the very near future, it's going to be uh, $124 billion or so. So it's, uh, it's a big market. Uh, the thing is that today it's dominated uh, by Flash. I think everyone uh, knows and uses Flash. Um, uh, you know, that's what you have in your uh, uh, USB stick. That's what you have in your SSD drive, et cetera, et cetera. 
uh, but it's an old technology uh, and it's been hitting more and more uh, walls uh, recently. You know, things are shrinking all the time, uh, but Flash can't really be, um, uh, can't really go to the smaller geometries, you know, beyond 40, 28, if you really push it, uh, that's more or less where it gets stuck. And as you know, uh, today the, the fabs are already running to five, three, two, one nanometers. All of the advanced um, applications, AI and automotive and whatever, uh, need, uh, need to go there and they need embedded uh, non-volatile memory. So uh, uh, that's where ReRAM comes in because we can scale down to, uh, to the smaller geometries. Uh, but beyond that fact, there are actually a lot of reasons to use ReRAM. And <clears throat> it's, uh, it's really all about, uh, you know, if it's uh, speed, we're orders of magnitude faster than, um, uh, than Flash. Uh, it's power consumption, which is really critical today for IoT and any mobile application. We're orders of magnitude lower power consumption. Uh, in terms of endurance, we uh, managed to um, uh, to reach uh, again uh, two orders of magnitude better endurance than uh, Flash. Uh, there may, there's a long list of advantages for RAM over Flash, uh, and beyond that, and maybe the most important uh, criteria of them all is obviously cost. Uh, RAM is actually a uh, relatively easy to manufacture. Uh, our RAM specifically, we've been very focused on using only standard materials, standard tools, you know, going into a, a CMOS production line and, and causing minimal noise, you know, just needing some adjustments and, and we can move forward. So, uh, so that's been very important. We add uh, something like five, seven percent to the cost of a wafer. Uh, you look at Flash, which is more like 10 or 20 percent, um, and if you look at other technologies like MRAM or so on, you know, they they go even much higher. So um, we're uh, we're really talking about uh, a lot of advantages for each application. You have several advantages that are very relevant, and, and I think RAM uh, today is very clear to everyone that uh, RAM is what uh, what the industry needs. Kobe, which applications are you seeing the most interest in WeBit uh, reram, and where will we first see it? So uh, we started off. Uh, obviously, you start off on where it's uh, easier, the lower hanging fruit, which is the larger geometry. Uh, we have today uh, a licensing agreement already in place with Skywater. We manufactured there and, and have wafers in Skywater. Uh, so Skywater uh, at 130 nanometers, and you know at that level in, in the larger geometry, uh, we see uh, the uh, different uh, applications such as uh, mixed signal, analog, uh, PMIC. Uh, those applications are, are really uh, very. Um, uh, they, they need more advanced uh, non-volatile memory. We're also back end of line which is uh, a big advantage for them over uh, Flash, which is front-end of line technology. Um, and then uh, 
uh, you know, when you start going to the, to the smaller geometries, and we've already taped out on uh, 22 uh, millimeter, nanometer, I'm sorry. And so there you go into the IoT where our big advantage is, of course, uh, low power consumption and AI and automotive where uh, you know, we go down into the smaller geometries. We're also, uh, we can um, retain the data at high temperatures for a long time, which again, that's very important for applications like automotive. So um, it's really across the board uh, that uh, we're talking to people in, in all applications and also in, in medical and security and, and other applications. By the way, I talked about Skywater. They, they have uh, a lot of customers in the mill and aerospace. And uh, another advantage of rear end is that it's inherently red hard. So for space uh, applications, this is a big advantage. So uh, we're also uh, talking to people in that uh, domain. So you mentioned Skywater. Uh, so from what I've read, um, you're working with them. So following the rollout of Webit uh, reram IP in Skywater's Foundry uh, S130 process. What other fabs and processes uh, is the company targeting for this embedded IP? Uh, well, today, as I said, uh, I think the industry realizes that reram is now. Uh, for a long time, when I was talking to people, it was always yeah, that's a really interesting technology. It's, it's a future thing, right? Well, nobody says future about 3RAM anymore. Uh, the, the product companies are asking for it. The fads, uh, you know, we already know that major fads have lost business because they didn't have 3RAM. So everyone is looking for 3RAM. And uh, one of the things that uh, happened in the industry is that uh, in terms of independent uh, reram providers that can work with multiple foundries, Webit is, is practically the only one. There's, you know, there's some others that potentially could work uh, with other foundries, although we don't see them uh, out there. Uh, so I think uh, you know, we're a public company and, and I made the comment to the public that today we're talking to the majority of uh, the major foundries, the major IBMs. And, and by talking, I mean not just uh, saying hello, uh, we're in different stages of, uh, uh, of discussion, of evaluation, of negotiations, et cetera. So uh, really a lot of work uh, across the board with many of these uh, big, uh, big foundries. Yeah, I, it was interesting. TSMC mentioned reram in their um, technical symposium, so uh, that, that, that's when you know you, you've really hit the big time. I mean, the founders are really talking about it. Um, but what, what about discrete chips, Kobe? What is the status of development for Webit in discrete chips, and, and what applications uh, will you be focused on? Yeah. So by the way, you mentioned TSMC. Obviously, the fact that TSMC now announced that they have their reram. Uh, was a trigger for all the other foundries to, you know, oh my God, we need to compete with that thing. We need to find a good reram technology. Where can we find it? So I think that that was one of the things that really accelerated our work uh, with the different foundries. And I have to thank TSMC uh, for that. Uh, now getting to, to your question on the discrete side. So, uh, you know, we did 
has been uh, focused up to now on embedded. Again, we, we kind of start from the lower hanging fruit and go to the bigger, uh, more challenging uh, uh, applications or uh, technical challenges. Uh, the embedded, normally the memory arrays are smaller and, uh, and the technology that we're using today, the, the 1T1R, uh, technology, basically one transistor for every resistor, uh, is a good one. And so that's, uh, we have a good solution there. We're moving forward with that. I mentioned with the big foundries, uh, et cetera. Uh, one of the challenges when you want to go to a discrete uh, chip is you really need to pack the arrays very much. And, and there, uh, having the transistor, and maybe, you know, I'll stop for a second. I didn't really explain about the RERAM and how it works and so on, but one of the key elements about RERAM and another big advantage of RERAM over flash is that RERAM is bit addressable. So you can actually go directly to every bit and read or write from it. The way it's done is that every bit has uh, a selector, uh, which tells it, you know, you're addressing it now. That's why we call it uh, a 1T1R technology uh, architecture. It's one transistor for every resistor. Um, and I didn't mention, I guess, that RERAM stands for resistive RAM. Uh, we basically, we're not using the charge technology, charge, sorry, charge, we're, we're bu building and breaking the resistor there. So kind of that end of interrupt and um, we uh, for the, the transistor is great is a great selector obviously, uh, but it's it's a little too big. So in order to really go big time into the discrete market, you need to have a smaller, more competitive selector. And we're developing that technology now. So uh, you know there still is a lot of R and D to be done there. It's still going to take us some time till we get. Uh, the selector technology working and working in big arrays, but uh, that's definitely something that we're focused on. Uh, I think one of the interesting things that happened to WeBit uh, more recently is people actually came to us and said, you know, uh, the 1T1R technology is actually good in some cases also in the discrete market. You know, not all discrete components are are the same, and in some cases, like NorFlash or like um, uh, EEPROM, etc., you guys can actually compete already with the 1T1R. So that actually accelerated some of our plans, and, and we are now uh, starting to work on uh, on some discrete components, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's a very exciting time with with so many opportunities. There's such a huge vacuum in in the market and, and you know, Weaver is just really focused on filling as much of it as it can, uh, as fast as it can. Yeah, and you recently raised 40 million in funding. I mean, congratulations. Uh, what will you use the funds for? Yeah, thanks. That was, uh, that was quite a challenge when, when all of these banks are collapsing around us and, and the investors are uh, in panic mode. It wasn't a simple challenge a simple task but uh, I'm very proud of the the fact that the investors both uh, existing 
And the new investors uh, gave us that vote of confidence statement. And, uh, and, and it's a, a very nice round for us. It gives us uh, uh, you know, a, a long, uh, uh, long uh, breathing room. And so now we can really focus on parallelizing a lot of the work. Right? Instead of working, you know, the work with each one of the foundries is just a huge project. Now we can start working with more foundries, more technologies, uh, technology nodes in parallel. And, and that's very important. It's enabling us in general uh, to expand our uh, marketing and sales activities and go to trade shows and, and so on. And of course, there's a lot of work on, um, on R&D. Uh, we have a large R&D team, a very advanced, a very strong R&D team. And they are very focused on improving the technology all the time. Uh, and this is uh, ongoing work, you know, uh, if it's uh, improving the endurance, if it's improving the retention and going up to higher and higher temperatures, uh, obviously always improving the quality and, and uh, lowering uh, uh, or increasing the yield. And so really a lot of uh, investment in R&D. And, and of course, I mentioned already the discrete components and the selectors. So there's a lot of work uh, going, going on there. So uh, I think there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of work on the R&D and obviously uh, also on the commercial side. And what are the next key technology milestones? So we, uh, we already notified the market that we're working now uh, both on uh, going to higher temperatures. We want to qualify. The, the technology, by the way, is, is already qualified at 85 degrees. We're now working on 125 degrees, uh, getting it to the automotive level. And uh, that, uh, that's a project we, we told the market we, we expect by mid-year to, uh, to have that qualification done. Uh, we're also qualifying the wafers that we got from uh, Skywater, and that's going well. And, and again, that's something that uh, uh, we want to uh, get done in, in the near future. So those are two, two projects that uh, we expect uh, to finish uh, uh, you know, within the next uh, uh, couple of months uh, or so. Uh, and then uh, there's, uh, there's a, a lot of additional work uh, going up to higher temperatures, as I said, and, and many other uh, improvements on, on the quality of the technology and also expanding uh, to uh, additional technology nodes in, uh, in different foundries. And so how do customers normally engage with WeBit? Uh, well, uh, I think today uh, the, the simplest way is obviously to go to our website, uh, www.webitnano.com, and uh, connect uh, to us through there. Uh, I think that's probably the, the easiest way. Uh, and using, uh, using Google, you can find us in many other ways. Great. Hey, Kobe, thank you for your time. Nice to talk to you again. I know we see each other quite a bit out in the conferences, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again and getting an update uh, later this year. Well, thank you for having me, and yeah, always glad to talk to you. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening, and have a great day.